Um, I had thought about this passage for a series for later in the fall or even uh, or even in the spring. Um, and honestly, I, you know, with all the craziness that is our world right now, I've just trying to been ask God, okay, God, give me one thing. Just give me one thing to say to your people today. Um, and we talk about this a lot around here. And so I want to um, uh, kind of couch this particular one thing in, in, a, in a broader overall message. Here's the broader overall message. Jesus reigns. We talk about this. Jesus reigns over how much? Most things? Everything. He reigns over everything. Everything. Hurricanes, water in houses, help, FEMA. I mean, he, he's got it all. He's got it all under control. He really does. He reigns over everything. And today I want to talk specifically um, about this, that Jesus reigns over our helplessness. He reigns over our helplessness. So here in Mark chapter 9, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the sides of the tech booth back there. Please feel free to borrow them if you need to borrow them, and uh, you can take it home if you need to take it home. If you're a Bible app user, you can use the, uh, you can find our live event right now, okay? Uh, this is Mark 9 verse 14. The context is Jesus has just come down from what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. He has taken Peter, James, and John up on the mountain. Uh, he had this moment where his glory bust through his humanity. Elijah and Moses showed up to show that Jesus is superior to the law and to the prophets. Uh, he's a fulfillment of those uh, and, and superior to them. And uh, Peter's like, oh, what am I supposed to do? And God's like, Shh, just be quiet. Don't talk anymore. Just be quiet. They're coming down from the mountain. This is 14 where we pick up, Mark 9, 14. And when they came... To the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and the scribes arguing with them. By the way, when ministry's getting done, you can always tell the people who are religious in spirit because they're arguing about it. Let's not, like, let's just, there's work to be done, people. No need to fuss. All right. Uh, verse 15 And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to bear to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out, and some of the manuscripts say, cried out with tears. and said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw, a crowd came running to, uh, saw that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. After crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why, why could we not cast it out? He said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. 
Um, I want to talk today, Jesus reigns over everything, and part of what he reigns over is our helplessness. And so this is the one thing that I think the Lord wants to say to us as a church. Jesus helps helpless people. Jesus helps helpless people. That's good news for you and for me. Why? Because we all qualify, right? In some form or fashion, we all qualify. Jesus helps helpless people. Uh, And so I want to talk just the characters in here. Let's talk about the son for just a second. Here's the son. He's facing a significant crisis of circumstance, right? This was not of his choosing. He had this probably what, what is, as it is described, this kind of uh, 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 seizure disorder. And there were spiritual components to it, physical components to it. And of course, you have all the other stuff that, that uh, uh, gets wrapped into it when people have um, um, you know, situations like this. There was a, a circumstance, a crisis, if you will, of circumstance. And here's the thing. It was not of his choosing. He didn't make this. I mean, he didn't decide to be like this. It was not of his choosing. Question. Did anybody face anything in the past couple weeks that was not of your choosing that was a crisis of circumstance? Anybody? I mean, you can stand at the door with your broom sweeping water out, and guess what? It's still going to come in. Right? So many did. We had, I think, 25 families who are church members affected um, by water in their houses, and then uh, we had another, I think, 30 or so uh, who are connected to our church by, by one means or another. 50-something families, not people, 50-something families who were affected. How about this? So that's a significant portion of our, of our church family. This crisis of circumstance, it's hard. So when you see um, uh, the flood or when you see the, uh, the house stuff um, happening or you, know, you, you see it and you see your furniture gone, and, you know, maybe, that's, maybe that's your moment where you're like, I don't even know. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're like, you know what? And uh, Right perspective. Hey, it's just stuff. Like, it's stuff that we figure out how to replace or live without. It's stuff. The thing that, and I've talked to somebody who said this this week, the thing that kills me, though, is the memories. I can't get back the memories. Crisis of circumstance. This loss and grief that goes along with it. Um, You may stand on top of the pile of the stuff in your front yard and still be able to say God is good, and I'm so grateful for that. But there's still a grieving process I think goes along with that. He was physically, the, the boy here, the son, was physically helpless. Um, and, and some people say, well, yeah, I mean, I get all that, but Jesus helping helpless people, he doesn't, you're not talking about my circumstances. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus helps helpless people in all sorts of circumstances. We've seen it over and over and over again. We've seen it in multiple ways. We've seen it displayed in all sorts of ways. Jesus helps helpless people. And the thing that I love about it is this. Can you skip down to verse um, 27? After he had released the, uh, the de- he had um, healed the boy, verse 27, Jesus took him by the hand. He was laying there like he was dead. He took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Here's what I love about that. It's so tender. Like Jesus could have said, all right, son, get up. Let's get to it. But what did he do? He reached down and he took this boy by the hand and said, okay, now, come on. Some of you may picture, for whatever reason, God in this set of circumstances, your set of circumstances. Some of you may picture 
God is somebody who's barking orders at you. Get up! I just want to say, Jesus helps helpless people, and his help oftentimes is really tender. He just reaches down and grabs people by the hand. Some of you are going to go driving uh, in our mobile distribution stuff here in a minute. One of the great gifts that you could give to people, uh, you call them, hey, we're on the way, can we bring you, yes, we'll bring you, will you show up, you give them stuff, hey, this is from the church because we want you to know that there's a God in the world who loves you and who sees you and who cares about you, then can we pray for you, and then what are you going to do? Grab them by the hand. That's what you're going to do, and what is that? That's a moment of tenderness right there. It's a moment of compassion, a, a, a touch. You get to be God's touch to them. It's really tender. When, when we face a crisis of circumstance, I just Jesus is so tender with this kid. How about the dad? The dad's issue wasn't circumstance. His, his, crisis was not, his crisis was a crisis of belief. So he says here, um, at the, uh, in the middle of the story here, about... Uh, verse 22, it's often cast him into the fire, into water, destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And I, I used to just like previously, I was on Jesus' side, like I thought. I, I mean, like I, I thought I was taking the side of Jesus. I'm like, if you can, come on, man. You're standing here before the God of the universe. If you can. I used to just wail on that dad for it. In my mind, I was judging him. Is that okay to say? Like, in my mind, that's the truth. This morning, I'm reading, and I'm thinking about Jesus helping helpless people. And, and the context was so real to me. So verse 20, just track this along. Verse 20, the kid starts having another episode. Verse 21, Jesus does what? He asked the guy a question. If you've ever been in a medical situation, we have unfortunately been in medical situations where your kid's going through some pretty significant stuff, like literally it's happening and the doctor starts asking you questions. And I'm like, hey, the problem is over here. Don't talk to me. Deal with that. Anybody with me on that? You can picture that dad going, hey, Jesus, I would love to do this interview later, okay? I'll put it up on Twitter. I'll blog about it, whatever you need me to do. Can you fix this right here? And this is what I wrote down in my Bible this morning. When he says, if, but if, verse 22, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. I said this in my Bible. As the boy convulses, Jesus is asking questions. The dad's if was honest because Jesus wasn't actively intervening yet. His crisis of belief is, here is what I'm identifying as the problem. Jesus, you're speaking in a different direction. I, I, I just, I think that's an honest if. And so I don't think Jesus' reply to him is actually jumping his case at all. Here's why. Jesus said to him, if you can. And then he gives him this promise. That's why I don't think Jesus was angry. I think he's giving him his promise. All things are possible for one who believes. And then his very gut-level honest response. Oh, I'm believing, but man, would you help me in the parts that aren't? Help my unbelief. Just as, just as uh, he was tender with the boy, lifting him up by the hand, 
So I really think Jesus was tender with this dad. I mean, the only people he was frustrated with in the story are the disciples. Got caught arguing about other religious things. See, Jesus is like, we got stuff to do. There's no arguing now. We got stuff to do. I think he's just real tender with this dad in this crisis of belief. I, just, I was thinking about us as a church, and I was thinking about the people that I've encountered this week. I, I have seen this crisis of belief show up in basically three ways, in three kind of statements. Uh, one is, I'm struggling with survivor's guilt. We talked about this a little bit last week. My house didn't get flooded, da, 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 whatever. And I'm looking at all these pictures, and I don't know what to do. Number one, I just, that's, that's one place of the crisis of belief. Here's what I said last week. Here's what I said in one of the emails, the end of day status updates. Here's what I'm going to say to you again. If that's you, that is a, it's a real thing. I get it. We have talked about this umpteen times as a church. Hear me very tenderly say to you, if that's you, you are blessed to be a blessing. God allowed your place to be dry or have power or whatever the situation is so that you could be a blessing. Your survivor's guilt is a real thing. Listen, say, okay, God, you allowed this to happen to me um, uh, allow me to stay this, this in, in this way. You've blessed me in this way. How then can I use that to be a blessing? How can I do that? How can I figure out? How can I participate in what, in what you're doing? You're blessed to be a blessing. So go figure out what that blessing is. Some of you have done laundry. Some of you have served. Some of you have mucked out houses. Some of you have driven around. So, and there's all sorts of ways that we've done this. You're blessed to be a blessing. So, so go figure out what that blessing is and get after it, okay? That's what I would tell you about that. I'm not negating the struggle. It's real. But let's put that to work. Let's not let that guilt weigh us down because guilt's from the enemy. It's not from God. Let's, let's not let that weigh us down. Let's get after it, okay? You, everybody with me on that? Okay, I'm not fussing. I'm just trying to help. That's one way that the crisis of belief has shown up. Uh, a second way um, is in this kind of statement. Where was God when? My house flooded, my whatever. Where was God when? Um, and, and very tenderly, please, very tenderly. I want to say this to you if that's your question or if you know somebody who has that question. Very tenderly. The fact that you are alive to ask that question proves that God was with you. Very tenderly. And if he was with you before the storm, if he was with you in the storm, guess what? He's going to be with you today after the storm. He's with you. And he, for some of you, may be knocking on the door of your life going, hey man, it's time you and I get some things straight. He may be trying to get a hold of you, get your attention. I mean, there may be any number of ways that he's at work. But the fact that you and I are standing here having this conversation is proof that God was with you. He's before the storm, in the storm, and here he is today, very tenderly. Some, of, some people are struggling with guilt. Some people are struggling with that question, where is God? Last thing, some people are looking at the pile of their life, stuff, memories, and they're saying, am I going to be able to get through this? Can God really see me through this? It's not the past that they're worried about. It's not the present that they're worried about. It's the future. That's their question. Can God see me through this? Here's what I want to say. Jesus helps helpless people. 
He helps helpless people. And if your crisis of belief is something along the lines of, I'm not sure, I talked to one of the people who had their house, they said in the little meeting I have to after the 8.30, I just walk in and I'm so overwhelmed, I do not know what to do. Good news. Jesus is in the business of helping overwhelmed, helpless people. That's what he does. God will see you through. He will see you through. Little boys convulsing. Uh, Jesus is asking questions. Dad's like, come on, man. Is he going to see me through? And then even when he does, even when he does, kid's laying there like he's dead. What's the dad saying? "Uh, Come on, man. Here's why I think those are all legitimate questions. Because sometimes the help that Jesus gives doesn't look like help at first. When he cast the demon out, the boy was laying there. letting his. Truth is, his body was recovering, but I mean, sometimes it doesn't look like help. He's always trustworthy, though. Church family, listen to me. He is always trustworthy. We're not sure about everything, about how it's working out, about the help that he's actually bringing, the help that he's giving to us. Listen, it, he's always trustworthy. How do I know that? Number one, because... He knows what he's doing. And secondly, he always knows what is right. Okay? He knows what is best. So let's hold on to those two things, that Jesus knows what he's doing and he knows what is best. Let's hold on to those. Even though sometimes his help doesn't always seem that helpful. If I'm a dad and I'm looking at my kid, I'm like, come on, man. You may be looking at whatever's in your yard or the appointment that's coming on Tuesday for your insurance adjuster. And going, come on, man, listen. Jesus knows not only what he's doing, but he also knows what is best. So he helps helpless people. The crazy thing for me on this is he also then uses us to help helpless people. So at, at the end of the story here, the disciples in verse 29, 28, excuse me, uh, when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why, privately, why couldn't we cast it out? He said, and this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So here's the great thing. He's equipping them for future ministry, right? He's empowering them to make a difference. He's going to use us to help helpless people. That's the craziest thing. Because we're helpless, and yet he's going to use us to help helpless people. That is an amazing thought to me. Um, you and I get an opportunity to participate in what Jesus is doing in the world. How? By, by being a part of him helping helpless people. I'll just say a couple of things about this. Number one, uh, uh, what we see is often beyond our capacity. The things that we get to participate in are often beyond our capacity. Has anybody seen anything in the past couple of weeks where you stared at it and went, there ain't no way. What we face is beyond our capacity. That keeps us dependent. You get that, right? It keeps us dependent. Um, we, we have stared down quite a bit of stuff here as a church family um, over the past couple of weeks. And yet, here we are, still doing the things that Jesus has said for us to do. You know why? Because he empowers us to help helpless people. Not only does Jesus do it, um, he does it oftentimes through us. He helps helpless people and then empowers us to do the same, even when we face what is 
beyond our capacity. And second thing I would say is that this, um, uh, uh, this doesn't happen without prayer. He said, these kind only come out through prayer. We have had amazing stories of how God has answered prayer just at the right time. I, I bet we've got 30 stories, 40 maybe. We may have 30 just from the kitchen, Miriam. I'm not sure. Our, our kitchen people, they run out of something, they pray for it, and then they clear space because they fully expect it to come walking through the door. Let's live like that. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be like that. Um, the thing that is, it, uh, as we live through these days, it's only possible um, through prayer. And that's what he says to his disciples. Church, listen, church, one of the things that I don't want to miss out on is that after the storm, I still want to be as intense about prayer as we are now. I still want to expect God to move in big ways as he has in these days. I don't want to lose that lesson. You know what I mean? I just, I want to be a part of this. It's only possible with prayer. That's how he empowers us to help helpless people. Um, one of my uh, favorite authors says this, in things like prayer and other things, these are indirect preparations. These, th like prayer, it's indirect preparation to ready us for direct action. And we've seen that over and over and over again. Last thing. Well, because you say, well, I mean, but me? Yes, 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 you. Here's a question, just this question. Where else do we want the world to go right now? Who, who else do we want to send them to? Jesus not only helps helpless people, but he empowers us to help helpless people. Where else do we want them to go? And I'm not knocking FEMA or the Red Cross or anybody else. Question, where else do we want them to go? The church is the glorious bride of Jesus, resourced, I mean, straight out of the storehouses of heaven. Where else do we want them to go? To, 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 to have their needs met, to, to, to get loved on, to be, I mean, who else is going to do that? Guess who's going to do that? We're going to do it because this is what Jesus has put us here for. We're the people of God, indwelled by the Spirit of God, gifted by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God to do the things that he said to do. Where else do we want them to go? We don't want them to go anywhere else because we want them to know that there's a God in heaven who loves them, who cares about them, and has ultimately done everything for uh, um, uh, to bring them to himself. He has sent his son to die and to rise again in order to give them life and freedom that is unaffected, <laughs> that, that's unaltered by hurricanes and craziness in life. Where else do we want him to go? No, no. We want him to turn to Jesus. So he empowers us to help helpless people. But that only happens through prayer. And so I want to take just a moment and pray. Um, and we're going to pray for us and the ministry we're going to do today and this week. And we're going to pray for Irma because um, we know what hurricanes feel like. Okay? So we're going to take a minute and pray. And um, so if you need to put your stuff up, please do so. I'm going to invite you. This is not a uh, requirement. We're not saying if you want to change your position, if you want to kneel, if you want to come up to the kneelers to pray, you want to just turn around in your chair and kneel down um, as we pray for these things. Uh, it's good, I think, every so often just to put our body in a physical place that, that reflects our dependence. And so if you want to um, kneel, 
at your chair or, like I said, come up and use these kneelers. Feel free to do that. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing a couple more songs here just to send us out with that, okay? So take a moment, get yourself settled.